So I am M. I am Dee. And we are La Petite Mort Pod, where we talk about all things taboo between sex and death and all the fun things you can think about. And we have another really fun guest here today. We have Ash from Death Positive. Ash, say hi. Hi, how are you? <laughs> good. good. How are you? Enjoying okay. a rainy day? A fun... It is very rainy yeah. here, too. Yeah. Okay. Oh, gross. <laughs> well, we're super, super excited to have you, and we always start off by interrogating our guests with a question. <laughs> so my question for you today, we're going to talk all things death, your experience, what your kind of views are, how you see death, and kind of the work that you do. So I'm going to ask you this question. From the depths of despair, crushing fear to your soul, being set free, running in a field of wildflowers, flapping your wings, how would you describe your comfort in talking about your own future death? Mm-hmm. So I really like the image of a stream of water like flowing through a creek because it really changes with every uh, thing that happens in my life from day to day, um, whatever is going on in my life, the the inclination to be comfortable with death changes. Some days it can be really hard for me to talk about, and then other days it can be really um, transformative and all about growth when I talk about death and dying and how I might die in the future. Um, that, that being said, we all will. It's just we don't know how or mm-hmm. when, right? So I like the water flowing because I think it the water can be flowing in different ways and in different directions. And so I think that's that's I take it day by day and I encourage my clients and everybody I talk to about it to do the same. Oh, that's, that's really a, cool. I love that picture in my my head because yeah, there's lots of kind of ripples and movements and yeah I love that an ebb and a flow an ebb and a flow oh that's nice (laughs) um so tell us a little bit about who you are what you do what does it mean to be a death positive coach Uh yeah so my name is Ashley Jansen and I am a death positive coach and I also call myself a death awareness companion um, so what that means is that I am somebody who companions or is there for people as they are becoming more aware of their own mortality or a family member's mortality and they're kind of grappling with the, um, the awareness of death and dying. Uh, maybe they haven't really thought about it before or maybe they have a lot and the taboo of it has, has kind of Um, made them internalize that fear which is what happened to me when I was very young so I my goal as a death companion and a death positive coach is just be with people as they're going through that journey because that is what I really needed back then when I was first coming to terms with my own mortality Mm -hmm. that's huge that is like most people spend their entire lives with that grappling with that right And so who are the clients? Like, who are your clients? Who are the people you talk to? Yeah, so they really range um, because I talk to a lot of people every day on social media. So I consider them 
my audience too and people that I help every day but then my clients are more uh, younger people my age around my age in their 20s because they are grappling with their mortality for the first time and they kind of feel like there's not an outlet for them like there might be for older people Um, so in that way I do most of my clients just happen to be younger and uh, healthy. Um, but that being said, I do talk to people at any life stage from day to day. So I think that at every life stage, and I have I have clients who have been mums too, uh, who are mums, because when you have kids, um, you can be faced with the reality that your kids could die yeah and that was something that I as a child really experienced with my mom she always had a really extreme fear that something would happen to me mm-hmm. and so part of my work too is helping moms figure out that uh that kind of mortality side with their kids and teaching yeah. them how to be safe but not fearful of the world as well okay. there's kind of that balance to strike so yeah, that's really cool. That's so interesting and so needed because I know even sometimes I think about the future children that have not yet been conceived and probably won't be for like another five years. And I'm like, they're going to die. <laughs> and I'm like already thinking about that. I'm like, they haven't even been conceived and I'm worried about them dying. <laughs> I'm just like, like, it's so easy for accidents to happen. And you just think like, I work in the death care industry and in healthcare, and I just think like, it's fine when it's someone else but when it's me oh god (laughs) so yeah Yeah. it's very hard to come to terms with your own um yeah especially people you love like it's weird we've talked before I've like definitely come to terms with my own mortality but not other people's yeah like so that's a weird concept like I'm okay with dying and I have this whole like death plan and this you know what I want to be done with my body and all of that is planned but I have a really hard time thinking that people will die before me and I uh-huh. always make jokes with my husband, like you have you have to die after me. <laughs> yeah, that's the, the rule. That's the rule too. Like I go first, and you have to die first, or me, no, me, mine <laughs> die first before you, bitch. <laughs> Damn, you die first. No, God, no. You know, I'm like obsessed. Like she like leaves my house to like drive home, and I'm like, ah! text me when you're home. Text me when you're home. And if she doesn't, I'm like tracking her down. I'm like GPS <laughs> Snapchatting. Like where is she? <laughs> She's dead at the side of the road. So, like, it's okay uh, for me to die. It's not okay for anyone else I love to die. <laughs> so, uh-huh. yeah. I- I'm a book obsession. <laughs> yeah. I need help. help yes. So, yeah, it can be really difficult when you think about your loved ones. For me, I think I more so have struggled with my own death. Um, I'm still working on my advanced care plan. I'm very open and honest about the fact that, like, I'll sit down and do it and just be like, uh, you know, yeah. like, and, and that comes day by day as well, just like we talked about earlier, but yeah, I haven't, I haven't finished my plans, even though this is kind of what I am companioning others to, um, I have, I haven't had clients who want to do that yet because, um, it's not really taught that younger people should do it, mm-hmm. um, Part of my work, because I do work with uh, the BC Hospice and Palliative Care Association as well, and part of my advocacy work in that in that group and with the board is to be that younger voice 
and to talk about how hospice and palliative care um, can also be there for younger people who are figuring out their mortality as well to teach younger people that they can do their advanced care plan too and it's not morbid and it's not strange to want to do that it's good planning and it's going to make your life a lot um, more peaceful when you think about that stuff more and really put it on paper and I know like I say that and it seems so easy but at the same time it's uh, it's easier said than done you know Mm -hmm. it can be empowering like it's uh for a lot of folks it's the it can be the last piece of control that they have right and so things that are out of our control like a diagnosis or an illness or sudden death you know that before any of that happens you have control over these things and so that can be a piece that's really really empowering so um yeah it it can be kind of fun and i agree with you and i i'm a bit a big advocate that when people get their driver's license like there's 16 and depending on where you live Mm -hmm. um but here in ontario it's 16 and they should be filling out an advanced care plan document because Mm -hmm. you are putting yourself at a huge risk that's how most people young people die if they do die you know um before their adult life and they should be filling one out right then and it's just like or in high school you go to grade 12 you're doing like a life skills class and you fill one out so that should really be included in the curriculum well that especially when you're talking about um like people getting their licenses when a lot of at least here in ontario when you fill out your license or you renew your license they give you a form basically asking if you want to be an organ donor yeah so they should be giving you a form that's your advanced like your advanced care planning documents same thing kind of Mm -hmm. right so yeah i know like i i feel like um a big advocate in that community as well just saying like why can't that document come with if you can choose to give away your organs Mm -hmm. you can choose who makes your decision if you can't make it for you yep just a thought. Exactly. Just a thought, but we yeah. could get we could rally that yeah. on another day. Um, but yeah, glad to know we're all on the same page. <laughs> yes, for sure. Um, so can you explain to me a little bit more about your thought work and how you work through this with people? Mm-hmm. So thought work is uh, something that has been popularized by Cara Lowenthal, uh, one of my coaches. And I was a part of her coaching group for about six months, I would say. And I learned so much. And when I was learning it, I really found that, okay, this could be applied to death anxiety too and fear of death and dying. Because the concept of it really is that to change your, um, your feelings and your actions and your results, it's not going to be the change in circumstances necessarily. It's going to be the change in your thoughts. Yeah. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. so kind of like if you don't like your job it's it may not be the right action to just find a new one Mm -hmm. you might want to work with your thoughts to figure out what you want and if that doesn't align with the job that you have then maybe you take the next step but maybe you figure out that some parts of your job are really nice Mm -hmm. and and some parts of it that you want to you want to keep going with right so but I found it so interesting that Death is the one thing, the one circumstance that we cannot change. Yeah. Like for everything else, for your job, relationships, money, anything else, you could try to like change that circumstance to act it out in a different way and like kind of bypass your thoughts and feelings. Mm-hmm. But death is the one thing where like we're all going to have to uh, grapple with that and like come to terms with that. So that's, 
I found that 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 was so interesting that that's the one circumstance that even though we would like to change it, if we could, we can't, we can't. Mm -hmm. So, um, so then I started working with my thoughts around death and dying. And I had already known that I was anxious about death. I had kind of figured that out a couple years before. Um, but I was struggling with a lot of health anxiety in my teens and I didn't know it, the root of it was death. I just thought that I was really anxious about illness and my health and stuff like that. But, um, I had a few experiences in university and in high school that I really noticed like, okay, death is the root of this, right? And so when I started doing thought work, I really worked with my thoughts about death and around death. Uh, You know, what do I really think about death and dying? And for instance, one of my thoughts was that it would be a failure if I died, uh, like at this age. Because, yeah, because growing up, it was such a, um, you know, keep yourself safe and do the right things so that you'll be healthy and happy and stuff like that. And part of that was don't die, right? Because yeah. then people will miss you and, you know, you won't be able to keep keep living and yeah. keep being on this earth, right? Yeah. So um, I internalized that. And so when I was a teenager, I started thinking of death as a failure. Mm-hmm. So, okay, what if this mole I find, what if it's cancer and I don't know and I don't, go to the doctor and then what if I'm late to the doctor and then I get diagnosed with cancer and then I die like Mm -hmm. I thought I went in that spiral and I was like that would be my fault like that would be a huge failure on my part okay so when I was doing the coaching not that it would be a failure but that was my thought yeah no totally that that my thought would would be that this would be a failure right yeah so when I was going through my thoughts, I was like, hmm, okay, I think that death would be a failure. That's interesting. And then you kind of work with your feelings that come out of that, because of course that is a very intense, uh, intense thought that creates a lot of feeling. Um, failure is so heavy. Uh, that thought of failing is so heavy, right? So when I started to change those thoughts, and when I started to really uh, let my thoughts just be, especially about death, and not seeing them as some th- that there was something wrong with me, yeah. I found that whenever a thought would come in before I started doing thought work, I would immediately say to myself, that's so weird, that's so strange that I'm thinking about this. I'm only 23, I'm only 24, why am I thinking about death all the time? And what I do for myself now and how I companion for myself now is my thoughts just say my mind just says to myself nothing has gone wrong you know you're human death is a part of being human so you're going to think about death just just the way we think about life as well we think about our lives and our daily lives and what we're gonna do that day we're gonna think about death too yeah it's the same right absolutely yeah Wow, that's really interesting. Yeah, like I never really like. I think it's a way for for you to help folks compartmentalize a little bit, right? Like validate that it's okay to feel this way, but you know you you're in control of your thoughts and how you process that, right? It really gave me like a folder in my brain where like this was the death folder, okay. and it came to a point where it was 
I could create that boundary of Mm -hmm. like, you know, if I heard something on the news about death and dying, I could be like, okay, nothing has gone wrong. Do I want to think about this right now? Right. Maybe not. And then that boundary of just like, okay, I can think about it later. Like, let's just file that under death and dying. Mm -hmm. And it's always going to be there. Mm -hmm. And that's the thing about death and dying is that that's a circumstance that is never going to change. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So it's always going to be there. So we can file it under that folder and come back to it later if we want. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, for sure. Yeah, Yeah. that's a really, really good way to help um, people. So I would like you to, if you could, explain your experience working with folks um, that are scared to age. Because a piece of that, you know, so what you're saying is kind of like, you know, finding a mole or something today, but something we're all doing every day is aging. And I know um, the other day, actually, this is funny. I'm I'm glad we're talking about this because I need help (laughs) with this too. I noticed, so I'm almost 27. I look in the mirror, I just got out of the shower, and I always wear jewelry. Like, I'm, I'm usually wearing two or three necklaces. But sometimes, like once a year, I take them all off to clean them, or, you know, I just get, I'm like, I don't want to wear one today. And so I took off my necklaces, and I'm standing in the mirror, and I realize I have, like, a wrinkle around my neck. <laughs> and I was like, I have a fine line around my neck. And I couldn't even get rid of it. I was, like, pushing on it, and I was like, oh, I can't get rid of it, it's there, it's permanent. And I was like, I'm like a tree with rings. <laughs> I was like, this means I'm like, I'm like getting closer. Like, that's how I felt. I was like, I am a tree with rings. And that is like a, a line around me that's like, and, and I, I just kept looking at it. And I kept like, I got the oils out. And I'm like trying to massage it out. And I'm like, no. And I was like, what? Why do I, like, why am I stressed about this? Like, I'm earning my stripes. But I was just like, it, well, I mean, I don't know your, exactly your experience, but I am old myself. Um, <laughs> not old. You are not old. I'm but 29. Anyways. Anyway. Um, but it brings your mortality kind of right. into, into the yeah. forefront of your brain being like, oh my God, like when, especially kind of at around the th- age 30 mark, it's when you start to get wrinkles, right? And you then you're fine kind of like, yeah. like, I'm at the age where I'm starting to wrinkle. I'm starting to notice. You find like gray hairs. Yeah. yeah. And so that yeah. really kind of brings like the, holy shit, I'm aging. And, like, death is, uh, like, on the horizon, kind of, Well, and with COVID, I've noticed, because I don't see my family as much, too, when I have, like, a couple times in the last year gone home to see my mom or my grandma, I'm like, you're getting old! (laughs) Like, you're saggy! (laughs) I'm like, I notice that my mom has, like, these, like, she's got, like, these crow's feet, and Mm -hmm. she's got these, like, wrinkles on her face, and, and, like, kind of, like, um, like, not sunspots, but, yeah, like, I guess aging spots on her skin, and I was like... I have a neck wrinkle, and you have a sunspot, and my grandma's got puffy eyeballs, and I was like, dear Lord, this is terrible. So then to round that back out. Yes, to to bring that back to the question, because I had to debrief that for a second, my neck wrinkle. (laughs) How do you help clients that are having um, fear around aging? Yeah, yeah, thank you. You're welcome. Yeah, so that comes up a lot with, um, I think I've only had women who have been my clients, people who identify as, as women. And um, it comes up a lot. And aging and body image, and I, I'm sure you guys talk about body neutrality, mm-hmm. body positivity, and stuff like that. Um, and I think it it really correlates. And that's why I think that uh, when you guys reached out to me, I was so excited because I saw that you guys were connecting all of this. But with aging, like with noticing aging, 
like D, you were saying that you're noticing it on others, and it's it's bringing your death awareness in. It's bringing that awareness that um, the people you love will die one day. And uh, we associate death with aging, right? Even though that's not everybody, the majority of people will, will live now that we have the advances that we do, they'll live longer lives, right? Yeah. So I'm trying to think back to a conversation I had with one of my clients who was just really upset about our society and the way that we market products. And I really relate to this because there is still a huge anti-aging, you know, creams and all of that stuff. And (laughs) you know, yeah, like dyeing your hair and stuff like that. Like make sure you hide that you're aging as best as you can. And I'll be honest, it really pisses me off and I hate it like with a passion because it's not attainable. It's, it's, uh, it's not, um, it's not something that we can control and aging is, is going to bring death awareness in a way for us because it's such a, a big taboo in our society that it's co-mingled with the fact that we're going to die and the fact that as, as women, especially we're taught that we need to look young all all of our lives and And that's like connected Mm -hmm. yeah that's connected to like our self-worth um and so it is an interesting um it's an interesting kind of connection and also um I don't know if you guys have looked into it but I really recommend that you guys talk to someone who is of the anti-MLM community um so um, I am I am a part of that community because I have been in an, in a multi level marketing company only for okay. four days, but <laughs> it was an like, experience. No. <laughs> no, well, I actually my partner um, he helped me through it because it's oh, really yeah. hard as someone with death anxiety because they really do um, they target people with with death anxiety. Okay. They might not be doing it um, intentionally. But when you say, okay, these essential oils are going to, like, cure this, cure that, anti-aging this. Yeah. You're like, oh, like, this is for people that are afraid of aging, afraid of dying. Um, you know, they, they talk about all of the insecurities you might have from money to, uh, you know, your security. And that that's also intertwined with death as well, Absolutely. right? Yeah. So the way that I help people with the aging aspect is exactly the way I would help them with the death aspect and the money aspect and the job aspect and all of that stuff. You would, you would say, okay, I am this age. I'm, I found this fine line. What do I think about that? Okay. What do I think about that wrinkle? Is it, oh, I hate this wrinkle because it reminds me of death. And then what do you think about death? And then, you, you know, you can see your thoughts going in a certain direction. And then bringing it, bringing it back and asking yourself if it's possible that this wrinkle and being reminded of death isn't such a bad thing. Okay. 
you know, it's something you can grow through. So another thing I want to say is that with thought work, it's not, it's not so much positive affirmations, but it is that you are kind of climbing a thought ladder. Okay. And so, um, instead of saying, uh, I love my wrinkles, (laughs) you know, instead of, instead of going right from, oh my God, oh my God. To like, oh, no, I love this. Like, yeah. your brain isn't going to believe you. It's going to call bullshit all the way. Yeah. <laughs> so what I do and what Kara taught me was that you start with a neutral thought. Okay. So it might be, it's possible that my wrinkles are beautiful. So it's not that, like, you believe it yet. Mm-hmm. But it's like, it's possible that I can get there. Okay. Like, it's possible that I can believe this. Um or I am open to believing that my wrinkles are beautiful. Okay. So you're kind of climbing that ladder. So one day you can get to that point, but you need you need to climb that instead of going to do the work to get there. You can't right? just yeah be yeah. like I'm so amazing. I'm not aging. I'm never gonna have another wrinkle because I'm gonna yeah. buy some Olay cream and <laughs> that's it. Yeah, that's really cool. That's a really yeah. good way to do it. And to be honest with you, I I feel like Em and I are pretty self-aware and even I fell into that trap in the moment I was like whoa I'm like a tree with my rings I was like what's happening but afterwards I was like you know what I I've and I'm sure like the three of us have had this happen to us at some point there was a piece of a big piece of my life I've wanted to be older because people didn't respect me enough in my career. I didn't hold enough, um, you know, I wasn't a loud enough voice in a room. People walk over you when you're younger. And, you know, I've had a university degree since I was 22 and people just, there was no respect. So I'm like, am I getting what I want? I kind of am in a way. (laughs) And I'm like, that's not a bad thing. Like I'm aging and this is experience and this is my life living inside of me. So it's, yeah, I think that's a really cool way to work through it with people. Absolutely, and it's important to realize that like we all go through that first stage like we all have that kind of like oh my gosh like what's going on because of what we've been taught like because of what we've internalized Mm -hmm. and so it's really important for me to let clients know that it's not them it's not that it's an issue that they kind of freak out in the moment um, because some of my clients will say, you know, I just feel silly. I feel crazy, you know, for yeah. thinking about death and, and being so worked up about it because I'm healthy and nothing's wrong. And I just say to them, like, this is conditioning that you have just picked up, mm-hmm. like subtly. But, you know, when you ask your parents, like, oh, what happened to, like, this happened to me. One of my cat cats died. Yeah. And I asked my parents what happened. And they were like, oh, it just ran away and it's living like a good life now, you know, so major euphemism. Yeah. So when I grew up, I said, so what really happened to that cat, you know, and I got the real story later on, but it did show me that they didn't want to talk about it. So subtly they, my parents were telling me it's not okay or it's, it's a taboo and we're uncomfortable talking to you about it. Right. Mm -hmm. So it's really, really subtle that you barely even notice it. But that's what I tell all of my clients. Like, don't feel bad that you freak out in the moment. Like that is just what you've internalized and we're just healing that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I think it's our part piece of us being aware 
humans to acknowledge it, recognize it, name it, tame it, and then be like, I'm not going to do this to my kids. <laughs> yeah, because well, I almost think, too, that it's almost like a generational kind of um, belief or way that people have been talking about death and dying and, and even the little intricacies around that, too, to kind of make this to be a taboo topic, right? So, like, it kind of gets brushed away and then, like, somebody, like, basically, like, say somebody dies or, like, your cat dies or your... Um, uncle dies or something right yeah um and traditionally it was the whole issue was either handed over to a funeral director and then kind of just like hush hush cut like taken away and then you basically go to a funeral and then it's like boom boom and then you're having to deal go from like them dying to them being like dead right in front of you right and then but nobody wanted to talk about it Nobody wanted to be like, okay, like, this is what happens or, like, be involved in the death process or stuff like that. So in that kind of mentality, it creates a lot of taboo and even, like, I've not, not, I wouldn't say shame, but, like... A bit of shame in your changing body. Yeah, basically. Like, a little bit of shame in in the process or even in being, like, inquisitive about the process. Because I know, like, talking about death, like, I come from, like, a huge family, um... And we've had many a member of our family die. And, like, I think being a younger person, I'm more interested in the process and basically kind of being like, well, how were they before before they died? And then also just being inquisitive about the whole, like, dying process of, like, being embalmed or going to a funeral home or kind of whatever else. And then I had my family kind of be like, what? Like, why do you want to talk about that? Like, that's, like... Right? So, yeah. but I think yeah. it's generational now. Like, our generation, like, millennials and Gen Z and kind of whatever, are more inquisitive about it and kind of open it up to be more of a, like, positive, or want to at least be, think about it more positively, right? So, that's just my for the day. Thank you for and that, TED Talk. <laughs> something that kind of came to mind, too, was that I, and something that I'm still trying to deconstruct in my own work, is that, um, the subtle, the subtle speaking of the behaviors of the dead. Mm -hmm. So what I mean by that is when you have a family member who dies um, of lung cancer and it's like, oh, well they smoked. So they inevitably got lung cancer (laughs) and died. And that was very like dismissive to me. Like I noticed how dismissive that was when I was really young, that it was like, their death anxiety was coming out when Mm -hmm. they would talk about people's behaviors like oh that happened because of this and I always thought to myself like you think you are gonna get out of this alive yeah like they didn't see that their behaviors could be could go the same way right we all have different behaviors that we're gonna live life and eventually we're gonna die in, in any in any way yeah. that it happens, right? So that made me just the the subtleties that come out, and that was something that I really connected with, and and probably the reason why I was so anxious about my health because Absolutely. I thought, yeah, you know, if I don't take care of myself and something happens, somebody is going to be at my funeral saying, yeah, well, she didn't take care of herself. So. Yeah, well, and I think that happens. It's like a fat shaming thing too, right? If people are overweight automatically it's like, well, you're going to die earlier than expected, right? Or you're going to, and it's like, 
man, I could literally walk out my door and like some killer bee could sting me and I would just drop dead. Yeah, when it's your time, <laughs> it's your time. You're gonna die. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm a firm believer. Yeah. And do I think people like hasten it sometimes? And I think that's just situational and, you know, terrible things happen and overdoses happen uh-huh. and that sort of thing. But it's, it's really interesting, yeah, where we categorize it, right? It's like, yeah, did they smoke? Were they overweight? And, again, the shame, basically, around the certain behaviors that led to their death. Right, yeah. Like, you didn't go to the doctor soon enough. And, you know, I work with a lot of folks that are um, precariously housed. And, you know, well, they didn't go to the doctor when they felt that lump in their breast. Or they didn't. And it's like, okay, but, like, that might have happened anyways, right? And and it may Uh have not been curable anyways. And, yeah. And I've always been interested in that human interaction of, like... If people say that to me now, I'm like, oh, so you don't think that can happen to you? Like, you don't think that that can happen to you in some other way? Like, maybe not that exact way, but you don't believe that that could ever happen to you? Because that is a psychological theory, right? When we hear about something that happens to others, we're like, oh, that could never happen to me, though. Mm -hmm. Because I'm smarter than that, or I'm this. Better than that. Yeah. And it's the death anxiety, right? It's that, like oh, well, I'm not going to die in that way. Like, I'm going to mm-hmm. live a long life. And and that is sometimes associated with a full life, which isn't yeah. necessarily true either. Um, but now we're, <laughs> I could just go on for, <laughs> for days about all of it, you know? And no, like, we could too. And that's why, like, we're, we're just vibing because it's like, yeah. it's, it's a huge, huge topic. And I, yeah, I totally think as aware human beings, it's our job to step up and be like, you know what? literally a tree could fall on your head so you know what yeah <laughs> and that you didn't prevent you can't prevent that like sometimes things just happen and sometimes live your life so live your life that's all that's just live what we're trying life. to get out here yeah live your yeah, life exactly um so i i'm wondering where you see your work going in the future so kind of talking about you know people that are aware and you know you know that em and i are we're here we're gonna support this like we're like let me give me your groupies like we're like yeah yeah (laughs) so like tell us where you hope that your work goes in the future Mm -hmm. so everything's a little bit uncertain for me right now and uh that is a part of the work so part of my my work personally and and with my clients as well is that uh shadow loss is something that exists and i learned that term from cole and perry um a thanatologist in um in the u.s and i'm a student of hers and uh, she has a couple of ted talks um but shadow loss is basically the losses that aren't death based Okay. So they're the de- not the death of a person or the death of a pet, but a death of an experience. Okay. So this is the death of a relationship, the death of a job placement, the death of, you know, maybe you move. Mm-hmm. And so you're gaining one thing, but you're losing another. Yeah. Right? So um, in my own life, that kind of shines through. So that's something that I want to kind of develop and think about more and talk to people more too because it can be very um it can be very isolating because people don't see those things as like real grief yeah um they don't see those things as like a death of something right you you don't say like my relationship died I do now because that is something that 
like my job died like it died yeah. it dies and you do have that grief because you have spent uh energy and time and and passion into that thing right so that is something that i've been thinking about more as well as um d you were talking about how you uh think about your loved ones dying and how that can be really scary and so I have been thinking about how, you know, a, the advanced care plan, the advanced care directives exist. And I'm wondering if a grief confidence plan can be out there as well. So I'm thinking about creating a kind of an advanced care plan for grievers. That's really cool. That is so, that, so cool. Yeah. So there are a couple of... Um, messaging apps that I find really cool and I've never tried them but I think they're uh I can't remember what they're called but um there are a couple messaging companies that you can like create your group the group of friends around you Mm -hmm. your family and friends and it tells them like what you need as a griever um so I, I would want to do something like that, but I would want it to be in writing, just like the advanced care plan would be. Absolutely. Um, and then that would be a thing that you can do for anticipatory grief. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So that is something actionable that you can do before you're actually grieving. Yep. So maybe when you're grieving, you would do like the messaging thing too, and you would have the paper so that you could, you know, put all the things in. Yeah. But when you're in that anticipatory grief stage, that can be one thing that you do, just like the advanced care plan where you're like, okay, that like brings me some peace. How do you want to go through your grieving process? Um, if, if that certain loved one is at the end of life, how do you imagine that you would want to be cared for yeah. as you're grieving? Because it is, it is kind of a death of your, of yourself too, because you are experiencing all those little shadow losses Like, for me, my Oma has dementia right now. And so when she dies, I'm going to lose the person that taught me how to knit. Yeah. You know, uh, we're not going to be able to watch curling. You know, the the Tim Hortons Briar is going to take on a whole new meaning, right? That that is a shadow loss, right? So grief is a, a kind of death. Absolutely. And it's it's same symptoms too, right? Like it's the same feelings, right? That kind of sometimes, um, and I I don't believe in the five stages of grief or whatever. I think that's a bit of shit, but I I can appreciate where they came from and the thought process behind it. But I think that we all do. I don't think grief is in stages, but there are kind of symptoms, right? Like there's like symptoms, quote unquote, of Mm -hmm. grief. And I think that those, even anticipatory symptoms, those shadow losses, the um yeah anticipated shadow losses Mm -hmm. like knowing that something is going to come to an end Mm -hmm. so yeah that's really I think that's just like a a two to kind of add on to that it's a great form of like needed self-care but you're pre-planning for probably one of the worst moments in your life right so when that happens to you and say you're not thinking clearly and kind of whatnot because you're experiencing such like deep grief you've already set that up for yourself basically to support your process and whatnot and that's uh-huh. super healthy and I think that would be such an impactful um like direction to take your career and whatnot and I think that's an awesome awesome okay idea. but I have a question 
<laughs> so like, okay. am I setting that if if this and, I, and I, I'm going to follow this shit. I'm going to check in with you. So <laughs> if I was to do this, right, set like yeah. my own care plan for what I will need when I am grieving eventually, right? Because, uh-huh. but I ha- right, am I setting it while I'm like right now? Nobody is. I'm not anticipating a death tomorrow. I could get the worst news of my life, but I'm not anticipating a death right now. So mm-hmm. is it something you do while you're anticipating a death, or is it something that you do when you're actually like? Or could you do it at any time? Or any time. I think that you could do it at any time. But um, another thing that I learned from Cole is that um, every death is going to be different. Mm -hmm. Right. So um, even with shadow loss, like each relationship that ends is going to be different. So the same thing with death, uh, the relationship you have with that dying person or that person that has passed away suddenly um, is going to be different for the way that the person has died and the relationship that you have. So I think it is important to have like a general understanding of what uh, like grieving means to you. Like maybe just just writing down your thoughts of what you think grieving might be like, Mm -hmm. especially for people who haven't lost any anybody close to them yet Mm -hmm. I think that's my clients when I talk to my clients that's their biggest fear they're like well I don't know what it's like to lose someone Mm -hmm. like what am I going to do when that happens and I would say figuring out what you think is going to happen and seeing the stories that you're telling about that because really your body is going to know what to do mm-hmm. like your your inner knowing is going to know what to do even if you have to like sleep for a couple days mm-hmm. that's what you need at that moment right and uh your body your body just knows what to do you know yeah. just yeah. like it does when you're dying your body shuts down it knows what to do because it's such a natural process grieving is the same thing as humans we feel so much, we feel so much love, and then we do feel so much loss. Yeah. And our, our, our humanness, we're well-equipped to handle that. Um, there's, if you've had trauma in your past, it's a little bit harder, you know, but, but uh, I do believe that if we have that inner knowing that we'll be okay, then that makes it a lot easier. Yeah, definitely. So if you had one thing, like one wish that you could cast upon people who are absolutely terrified to die, their loved ones are terrified to die, what would it be? I guess I wish that uh, everybody who is afraid of death, that they don't see it as a problem. Okay. That's good advice, yeah. That they acknowledge that they're afraid and they have fear and they acknowledge that like that is normal yeah i think that i've i've gotten so many questions like how do you get over your fear of dying i'm like i don't know i'm still in it yeah i'm still fearful sometimes you know like it's it doesn't go away it's just the way that you the way you think and the way you feel about it changes from day to day and what you're going through and stuff so yeah yeah that's good Thank you so much. That's like, that's a really great answer. I was, in my head, I was like, that one was for me. Um, anyway, so, okay, so Ashley, shout yourself out. Tell us where people can find you, how they can connect with you, how they can engage with you. 
<laughs> so TikTok is like my jam. Yes. Um, so I'm Death Positive Ash over on TikTok. Um, and obviously on Instagram too, same thing. Um, for people who want to work with me, I would love for them to go to my Patreon. So you can become a patron and I have tiers for, you know, if you want a worksheet a month, if you want a messaging app so we can chat, you know, if you're, if you're thinking about death and you have death awareness, I can kind of pick your brain about it. Um, you can set up a couple Zoom calls a month. Um, I'm not doing any one-on-one at the moment just because things are a little bit crazy for me, but eventually those will open up as well so yeah so where can people find you like on like what's your instagram um or did did you i don't know if you just she said that she just said that oh my god my brain (laughs) (laughs) all i was thinking about was like oh my god your tiktok because that's how i found you i was like "Ah!" right so yeah yeah um anyway yeah Yeah, so so it is death positive ash on all on all platforms platforms. perfect Perfect. okay Okay, thank you awesome so we'll definitely be sending lots of people over your way and hopefully everybody's going to show you lots and lots of love because we love you so yes get over there (laughs) and show give ash a little bit of love yeah um yeah so that's that's we have had so much fun talking to you and thank you so much for being so open and honest and whatnot about the work that you do and um like your goals and dreams and aspirations and whatnot and you've got two lifetime fans here so <laughs> thank you so much welcome um but yeah you can find us um at la petite more pod on instagram um and we are also on spotify apple podcasts and a couple other streaming services at la petite more pod um our email is also la petite more pod at gmail.com if you have any death questions death stories sex stories or any fun taboos that you would like us to cover um and until next time when in doubt lube it out and write a will bye bye